welcome to Atari Bytes, the show where we take a bite out of the story within a classic Atari 2600 game and see if that story bites us back. My name is Bill. This is episode 242. Thanks for listening. Welcome back, everybody. Hope all of you are doing well. Fall is approaching. Uh, it's mid-September as this episode is going out. And uh, I assume you've all bought your uh, wool underwear, your pumpkin-spiced whatevers, You've stocked up on your firewood, and you are set to hunker down in your houses, because we haven't been doing that at all this year, and, you know, maybe just listen to some podcasts or something. And thank you for having this podcast be one of those. Not a lot of news this week, because absolutely nothing is going on in the world, but we did get some feedback. Clinton Davies, hi Clinton, had thoughts about Gyrus, which I played in episode 240. By the way... You guys should go check out the Facebook page and make sure to like the page. I would deeply appreciate that. Clinton wrote, with respect to Gyrus, I noticed in the field report the music was off pitch in the game. Do you know the reason for this? And unfortunately, I had to admit to Clinton that I do not know the reason for that, and I didn't even notice it. So I'm putting out the uh, the call to any of you listening to this if you know the answer to Clinton's question. Specifically, uh, the music being off-pitch in the game, and any thoughts on why that might be. So uh, I look forward to hearing from you. And Clinton, I'm sorry that I didn't know the answer. Got a uh, comment on the Patreon page, which I also invite you to check out, from Michael Tyler, who uh, commented that Jairus is one of my all-time favorite shooters from the 80s. I always found it to be one part Tempest and one part uh, Galaga. I think that's an excellent comparison, and a, a flattering one at that. Those are good games, so I would have to agree. Again, if anyone has thoughts um, either supporting or challenging that observation, feel free to uh, let us know here on the podcast in any one of the various ways that you can contact us, which we'll talk about at the end of the show. Thanks, Clinton. Thanks, Michael, for uh, writing in. I liked hearing your comments, um, and I would like to hear more. All right, let's get on to this week's game. This week's game is Hero from Activision. 1984. We do love us some Activision around here. My first observation, before we even say anything else, is that the title of the game, Hero, is presented as an acronym. H period, E period, R period, O period. However, there is nothing in the uh, manual, in the description of the game, nothing, I don't think, in any of the half-assed research that I did for this episode that explained why it needed to be an acronym. Your hero has a name, the hero, I guess I should say, the, the character that you're playing, your your avatar, your sprite, your thing, I, I don't know, whatever it is. The premise of the game is volcanic activity has trapped miners in mineshaft in Mount Leung. Roderick Hero, that's your name, needs your help and his special equipment to rescue the miners. Alright, so I guess the setup is you're not Roderick Hero, but you are controlling him. And I guess he's cool with that. Mount Leone, by the way, hmm, this is interesting. Uh, I just went to uh, our friend Google, and I, I typed in Mount Leone, M-O-U-N-T-L-E-O-N-E. And what comes up, actually, is not Mount Leone, but Monte Leone, being, according to Google, the highest mountain of the Leopontine Alps and is located, I butchered that, the Leopontine Alps, and is located on the border between Switzerland and Italy. The mountain stands on the extreme west of the uh, Lepontine Alps, a few kilometers east of Simplon Pass. 
That's according to our friend. Uh, that's what came up on Google, according to our friend Wikipedia. UltimateSuccessPuzzle.com is the next thing that comes up. Northwest Range of the Alps with Mount, uh, Mount Leon. So I wonder if that first thing was a typo. I can't imagine there being an error on Wikipedia. I am stunned because all these other entries that come up are, well, no, there's another one. SummitPost.com, Monte Leon. Uh, so I don't know what to think. But evidently this Mount or Monte or whatever, Leon, real place, uh, real mountain. Uh, they're over there uh, on the border between Switzerland and Italy. So there, you got some geographic learning for today. Take the rest of the day off. So we're using the joystick for this one. You start the game with five lives, one Roderick Hero and four in reserve. One acquires an additional life to a maximum of six in reserve for every 20,000 points earned. Um, as with many Activision games, you have the power gauge at the bottom of the screen. You can hear and see it, that sort of classic uh, sound of the power gauge filling up. Power begins to diminish when the joystick... Uh, you can hear that at the start of each level. The power begins to diminish when the joystick is moved at the beginning of each level or after reserve life appears on screen. If power runs out and a reserve life remains, well, you're pretty much toast, my friend. Uh, oh, sorry. Actually, one reappears at the top of the level. Game ends when run one runs out of life. So, at that point, you're out of toast. So, your dude is wearing a propeller patch and allows him to fly where he wherever he wants. This manual is written weird because it, it, this is actually the sentence. This propeller pack allows one to fly where one wishes. I think this is because the, the manual copy that I have actually has three different languages and they're in columns. First column is English, the second column is some other language, and the third column is another language. The second one appears to me to be French, perhaps, and the third column is Spanish, neither of which I read. I took German in school. So, I assume, because of translation issues, that's why the manual is written this way. But we'll muddle through. To run or fly left to right, move the joystick left to right. To hover, tap the joystick forward. To fly down a shaft, step off the ledge. Gravity does the rest. Okie doke. The helmet comes equipped with a micro laser beam, which I really, really want. Hey, Henry just walked through. Hey, you know nothing about what we're talking about, but quick question. Would you like a helmet with a micro laser beam on it? Henry says sure, because who wouldn't? And now Henry's gone. Uh, so you got this micro laser beam. With it, one can blast vile vermin. We live in a world now filled with vile vermin. And I can't believe how handy a micro laser beam would be right now. I mean, you can't micro blast a virus, I guess, but eh, there's a lot of vermin running around, even if they are germ-free. They got all sorts of other problems. But that's a, a topic for another podcast. The beam can also slice through walls. But this takes time and costs precious power. To fire, press the joystick button. For continuous fire, press and hold the button. The first time I played this game, or maybe the second, I was foolish and wasted my dynamite, mostly accidentally, you know, by accidentally setting it off. I hate when my dynamite goes off accidentally. It's a common problem. Everybody has it once in a while. You know, premature dynamite blasting. Anyway, and I guess I kind of thought I had seen at one point that I blasted a wall with the laser, but I didn't realize it, so I ended up just kind of sitting there, stuck, because I didn't think I could go anywhere. But I suppose if I had stood there long enough with the micro laser blasting, I could have gotten through the wall, but it sounds like it, it eats up a lot of power. And I suppose that mean the dynamite really only seemed to work on the thinner walls. I suppose, theoretically, you could shoot through the thicker walls 
with the laser beam, but same problem. Uh, it takes up too much time. So effectively you can't, because you end up dying. One begins each game and every mineshaft level with six sticks of dynamite, each of which can demolish a small wall. Land and move near a wall to place and ignite the dynamite, pull the joystick toward you, then move fast, or our hero, well, that's, I, just, I just finally caught that, our period hero, also can be read and is read, our hero as in he's our hero. That's very clever. A heat-resistant raft floats on certain stretches of the lava river. Be careful, getting off the raft isn't always easy. Mine shafts extend vertically and horizontally deep into Mount Leon. Oh, they spelled it right this time. Some dead end, others are blocked by walls. Some walls and surfaces glow red. These contain magma deposits. Molten lava behind the rock. Like lava rivers, magma deposits cost one a life if our hero touches them. Lanterns light the murky mine shafts. Touch or shoot one, and that section of the mine will go dark. The shafts are alive with various vermin, springing spiders, shaft bats, mine moths, and nesting snakes. Avoid them or blast them with the micro laser beam. A tentacle traces one's every move over certain parts of the lava river. One cannot shoot it, so be cautious. Touching any of these hazards results in the loss of life. One must locate a miner in each level before moving lower in the mine. The deeper one goes, the faster things move, the more dangerous and numerous life uh, the, cha the challenges become, and the harder it is to find the miner. The current level number appears in place of the score at the beginning of each level. And then they do this weird thing with the levels as far as where you start each game. There are five different games. Game 1 starts on level 1, 2 starts on level 5, 3 starts on level 9, 4 starts on level 13, and 5 starts on level 17, asterisk. Game 5 starts on level 17, but all following levels are random. No level number appears during game 5. In games 1 through 4, the word pro appears in place of the level number after level 20. Alright. Your scores range anywhere from 50 points for shooting a creature or... Uh, having dynamite left when you're rescued, when a miner is rescued, uh, 75 points for dynamiting a wall, and 1,000 points for rescuing a miner. One earns additional points for every unit of power remaining when a miner is rescued. The higher the level number, the more each unit of power is worth. The rescue operation is complete when the score reaches a million points. Holy crap. Can you say what else happens? Our hero knows the head. I know what they're doing there. Just messing with my head, basically. You can join the Activision Order of the Hero, or you could 40 years ago when this game came out. Score 75,000 points or more and join our hero in the Order of the Hero. Send a picture of your TV screen along with your name and address to your nearest Activision distributor. See list enclosed. We will then send you the official Order of the Hero emblem. Unfortunately, I don't have a list enclosed, so I cannot get my emblem. I am so very sad. Tips from John Van Ryzen, designer of Hero. John Van Ryzen connects cameras, goats, what? Oh, let me try that again. John Van Ryzen collects cameras, golfs, likes the outdoors, and goes canoeing. In addition, he is from New Jersey. All right. John also loves video games. No kidding. In fact, he belongs to almost every Activision club. Show off. Watch the opening sequence before playing the game. It will help you get used to the terrain and recognize some of the dangers ahead. Our hero doesn't need to be right next to a wall in order to blow it up. If our hero runs out of dynamite, he can burn through the walls with the Maker laser beam. The closer he stands to the wall, the faster he'll break through. If a lantern goes out, find mine shafts by looking at the rough edges along the bottom of the screen. I think I had a little trouble because I would try to get as close to the wall as I could with the dynamite and then not always move away as quickly as I could because it would. I kept feeling like I have to push the button or something 
put the dynamite down. But you don't, actually. You just go stand there. The, the dynamite drops. But I only messed around with it a little bit this evening. So it may, maybe the more you play it, the more uh, second nature that becomes. Dude, I'm looking at John Van Risen's picture. And granted, this is from 1983. He looks like a kid. Like, uh, he looks like 14. Maybe he was. I don't know. I'm getting old now, so everybody looks young compared to me. And that is how you play Hero from Activision. I'm not rich or famous. I'm not a movie star, rock icon, first responder, nurse, doctor, or anybody else whom we all look up to. I'm just a schnook. Just like Bill, I love to tell stories. Unlike Bill, though, I'm not creative enough to write my own, so I just tell my own real-life stories in this book-read-by-the-author-style podcast, all about life lessons growing up, and every episode, a segment about music. Music that I love, artists that I admire, and sometimes even my own music. You can find Autobiography of a Schnook on all your favorite podcast suppliers, or you can go to schnookpodcast.com. That's S-C-H-N-O-O-K podcast.com. And I firmly believe the good goes around, and I sincerely hope that Autobiography of a Schnook proves to be some good that goes around your way. Okay, so our friend Wikipedia comes through for us in a sense by explaining that the acronym HERO stands for Helicopter Emergency Rescue Operation. Why this doesn't appear anywhere in the manual, I don't know. But there you go. The game was written by John Van Risen, we know that already. Published for the 2600 in March of 84. I think I said 83 earlier. Although my notes do actually say 84. I was going, I was freestyling, I guess. That'll teach me. It was also ported to the Apple II, the Atari 5200, the Atari 8-bit family, ColecoVision, Commodore 64, MSX, and X, uh, ZX Spectrum. Sega released a version of the game for the SG-1000 console in Japan in 85. While the gameplay was identical, uh, Sega changed the backpack from a helicopter to a jetpack. Alrighty. Well, there's a screenshot here for the C-64, and it looks way cooler than the Atari 2600. I'm a little jealous. In a review of the ColecoVision port, Electronic Games wrote, quote, Activision has wisely used the superior graphics of the CV units to provide a breathtaking underground panorama and concluded, congrats, Activision, Hero is a real champion. In the June 87 issue of Zap 64, Julian Rignall wrote of the C64 version, Hero looks awful, sounds terrible, but plays absolutely beautifully. Hero is included in the retro gaming compilation Activision Anthology. In 85, Analog Computing published a clone called Roto for the Atari 8-bit family. VintageIsTheWorld.com called Hero utterly amazing, saying that the control method is perfect for the game, utilizing the sturdy joystick to hover and drop sticks of dynamite adjacent to rocky walls and downwards through the deep tunnels to blast creatures lurking beneath. Graphically, the game is perfect, matching the excellent gameplay and challenge brought to life by Activision and offers the player longevity and a great sense of achievement. It was indeed a fantastic game, spawned many incarnations. The whole experience is an action-packed affair fueled with adrenaline. The video game critic gave the game a B, while I certainly can appreciate the game's clever programming and innovative design, Hero simply isn't fun enough to qualify as a classic. The graphics are sharp and the gameplay requires a great deal of skill, but a few flaws dampen my enthusiasm. When you drop down into a lower screen, certain hazards appear suddenly and are hard to avoid, forcing you to take a very slow, deliberate approach. It also sucks when you run out of dynamite and are forced to slowly claw through or chew through walls with your laser beam. The stages are thoughtfully designed, but repetitive in appearance. Uh, that was kind of my knock, too, the the 2600 version, anyway, the the uh, 
hero looks good, the miners look good, the creatures look good, but the mine itself is pretty boring. The video game critic says hero's sharp graphics are interesting, and interesting stages make it worth a try. 2G1Reviews.com had a review with John Van Ryzen, an interview basically with him as part of its review of the game. Van Ryzen said the idea for the game came uh, from a visit to Howe Caverns in New York State, which has an underground river and seemed like an interesting environment for a game. He liked superheroes as a kid, started with that, thought he could rescue a miner, gave him laser, uh, laser-powered eyes and dynamite, and added some other fun things. Activision had high standards for game visuals, sounds, and play. We could take as long as we needed to do the best we could achieve. On this game, he spent a lot of time tweaking the play controls and level progression to make it fun. Spent less time on graphics and more on play, which you can kind of see when you look at the game, that seems to me. The interviewer noted that the game was a bestseller, although it came out a little bit after the video game crash. Van Ryzen says that the game reached number 7 in the bestseller charts for Atari 2600, which was very enjoyable, since his previous game design attempt was a failure. But it came out during the crash, so it may not have done as well as it could have. A sequel is never entertained, because by then, Activision no longer wanted us to develop games. It was like everyone thought video games were a fad that died like hula hoops. Amazing when you think about that today. Van Ryzen wanted to do a sequel, but the video game business crash did not make that likely. The interview ends with Van Ryzen saying maybe he could convince Activision to sell him the rights to a sequel. Still waiting, John. Get to work on that. Well, after the break, I get the shaft. The mine shaft, that is. Turner thought she knew what she was talking about when she said, we don't need another hero. And maybe she did. So, I'll just turn this off. See ya. Okay, just kidding. We're going to play Hero from Activision. That's the thing we're going to do. You probably just caught a shot of my profile. Uh, those of you watching the video, I'm terribly sorry for that. So, let's just get on with the game. <laughs> Starting as many Activision games. Ah, crap. I was, you know what, maybe I'll start over. Do love dynamite. Shoot the spider, save the miner. Everybody's happy. Boom. Some more. 
Oh well. I should have stopped after the first game, I guess. Heroic? Maybe. A lot of fun? Definitely. Back to you in the studio. Hey everyone, this is Michael, one of the hosts of the Atari XEGS Cart by Cart podcast. Do you like Atari? Of course you do. What about the 8-bit computer line? It was one of the best. Well, how about you consider joining Bill, David, Kieran, and myself as we review the cartridge-based games for Atari's 8-bit computer line. We also review budget games which are mostly released only in the UK. But that's not all. We also dig up game history, share personal experiences, and perform questionable comedy. You'll get all of that and for free just by listening to us on either iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, Player FM, or from our website at xegs8bit.com. That's X-E-G-S, the number 8, bit.com. And when you're done listening, please send us your hate mail, because we really need the feedback so we know someone is tuning in. Hey, it's me, Bill, your host, the guy you've been listening to this whole episode. Do you enjoy the stories I write and read to you every week on this podcast, but you feel like you just need a break from my voice? I get it. My family does sometimes, too. Here's an option. Some of the stories from the show are now collected in a volume titled Misery Banana, Very Short Stories Inspired by Old Games and Odd Thoughts. You can order it wherever you like to order books. I hope you'll check it out. Thanks. So, here's the thing about Hero. I like this game a lot. Activision games are solid. This one is no exception. Would have sat and played this longer if I had more time tonight uh, before having to get this episode recorded. It's sort of addictive. It is a little repetitive. Uh, That is a legitimate knock on the game. The mine itself, uh, the look of it's a little disappointing, uh, at least on the 2600 version, but that is made up for with the gameplay itself. And I have no doubt that as you get farther into the game, it gets even more, you know, fast-paced and a little more challenging. And uh, I think it's a game that I will certainly revisit when this show's over. As always, if you guys have thoughts about Hero or Activision or games or anything really, contact the show in one of the ways we'll talk about at the end of the show. It's story time on Atari Bites. Yes, it's story, 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 story time with Bill. This week's story comes to us from Bad Poetry Corner and is titled, We Do Need Another Hero, But You Are Controlling Him. And I guess he's cool with that. Remain had a dream to feed the masses. We're so hungry, customers complain. A bit of ham, some provolone, veggies, and condiments. Giovanni gave them what they wanted. But bread was the big draw, paid the rent. No plain stuff, Italian or French. One bread short and plump, the other long and narrow. Give the sandwich game a bump. Call it a hoagie, sub, or hero. Pile it high with ingredients. Kettle chips, slip the pickle. Put all in your face with expedience. Why a poem about sandwiches? Not heroic, like soldier, cop, or protester. But when life is mucked up like today, a good sandwich makes all of it better.
Hi, this is 8-Bit Rocket, Jeff Fulton from the End of the Vertical Blank Generation Atari podcast. And you are listening to the incomparable William Pepper and his wonderful stories of the game within a game on the Atari Bytes podcast. When you are done here, come visit us in the Vertical Blank. Now, back to Bill. And that's our show. Thanks Kevin McLeod and Comptech.com for Creative Commons use of his songs, Reformat, Take a Chance, and Pinball Spring. Thanks to Sean Courtney for the Storytime theme. Sandwich some yummy review goodness between slices of Apple Podcasts for a five-star review of this show. Email the show at ataribytes2016 at gmail.com. Like the show on our Facebook page. Follow the show on Twitter at ataribytes or follow me personally at Carnival of Glee. Also, look us up on Instagram. Don't forget, you can also call us. We're not going to answer the phone, but you can leave us a voicemail at 563-265-1978 about pretty much anything you want. And there's a pretty good chance I'll play it on the show. Check out the website, carnivalofgleecreations.com, for all sorts of stuff. There's information, episodes, social media, about this show, Atari Bytes, in case you forgot, and my other show, the monthly It's a Podcast, Charlie Brown. There's also information and links to some places that you can buy my books, like Misery Banana, very short stories inspired by old games and odd thoughts. And there's all sorts of other stuff. I've done some other writing as well, and you can find out more about that. Who knows what might uh, be over there that you don't know about me. Go check it out. Also, while you're checking things out, consider looking at the Atari Bytes page on Patreon and becoming a subscriber. Patrons get stuff that the rest of the listeners don't get. You could get, uh, at the $2 per month level, you could get access to these episodes early. The typical release date is Sunday, but if you're a patron... Uh, at the $2 level at least, you can get these episodes earlier in the week. At the $3 level, you can get bonus content. From time to time, I put out stuff that is in the universe of this podcast, but not stuff that I talked about on the regular show. Uh, so if you want more stuff, donate uh, every month at least at the $3 level, and you can get more stuff. I really want to do George Carlin's stuff bit right now, but I'm not going to. And if you join, you can hang out with these other patrons, figuratively, anyway. I, I don't think they actually want you to come to their houses. But, hey, that's up to them. Michael Tyler, Jose Caseda, uh, Sean Courtney, and Aerospike, they are awesome, and I thank them all for supporting the show. All right, I think that's about it for this week, other than telling you what's up next week. So I will do that thing right now. Next week on the podcast, we're playing Demon Attack, because that seems like a thing we should do. And that's what's written on my piece of paper right here. So if you have thoughts about Demon Attack, go ahead and send me those as well. All right, that's about it. So until next time, go play some old games. They've missed you. Thank you.